together and turn to page 517 in our songbooks. 517. I am resolved. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have the Lord my side. Savior, be my sin and strife. He is the true one, he is the just one, he hath the words of life. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to thee. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith, do what he willeth, he is the living way. Let me hear you. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to I am resolved to enter the kingdom, even the paths of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, still will I enter in. I will hasten to him, hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will Amen. And now let's turn to page 186. 186, beautiful song. And can it be? Thou, my God, shouldst die. 
pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we ask that you would be lifted up in all that is said and done. Lord, we thank you that you have elected, you have chosen, you have decided that you would allow us as sinful human beings to share in your love by simply believing on your name. We ask that you would do your work in the heart of each one here today. Lord, we ask that you would give us a spirit of striving together to lift you up and glorify your name, to worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, now let's turn to page 69. Page 69, oh, how I love Jesus. Amen. Page 69. There is a name. sinner's perfect peace. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. It tells me what my father had in store for every day. And though I tread Sunshine all the way. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. It tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe. Who in each sorrow bears. Apart that none can bear below. Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Because He first loved me. Amen. And now we can turn to page 170. Page 170. Saved by the blood. Amen. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Now ransomed from sin and a new work begun. Sing praise to the Father and praise to the Son. Saved by the blood of the crucified one. Rejoice in me. 
before the message this morning we're going to be having a special song
children at this time be dismissed for the children's church, 12 and under. Uh, the rest of you are stuck here with me. Uh, let's take our Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. And uh, one of the most familiar uh, stories in the Bible, Luke chapter 15, we'll start in verse 11. And uh, we're actually just going to read verse 11. A certain, and he said, a certain man had two sons. Now, if you're familiar uh, with this story, this is what we call the story of the prodigal son. Uh, it's because we like to put the emphasis on the son that went out into the world and did all the rotten, wicked things and came home and was restored to fellowship in the father's house. But that's not the emphasis that Jesus puts on the story. The emphasis that Jesus puts on this story is a certain man had two sons. It wasn't just the prodigal son. He had two sons. And what I want us to do is I want us to skip down here to, uh, oh, verse 21. Verse 21. And it says, um, actually, I'm sorry, verse 22. It says, but the father said to his servants. Now, you notice this is when the, the prodigal came home. The father is not speaking to the prodigal son. In fact, the prodigal son, other than being there, is almost... Uh, non-existent, you do not hear anything more from the prodigal son after his father uh, kindly just ignores him in verse 22. It says here, But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this... My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now let's keep reading here. Now his elder son was in the field and as he came, he drew nigh to the house. He heard what? Music and dancing. Now, by the way, uh, as I was reading commentaries and different things, everybody was trying to go through and say, well, this word dancing uh, did not mean uh, what they were doing. Uh, do we have to explain this morning that what went on in the Father's house was not what went on in the nightclubs in New York City last night? Uh, do we need to spend any time explaining that? Uh, this is uh, dancing in the Bible is not uh, what goes on in the world today. Uh, if, uh, I like the way one guy explained it. He said, if you came into your house and found your spouse in the arms of another person, uh, you would have grounds to file a divorce on, uh, for adultery. But if you put a little music on, everything's fine, right? Uh-oh. Don't you just hate it when they get things explained that way? Uh, the kind of dancing that was going on was jumping up and down for joy. Amen. It was just... Praising the Lord. Somebody changed the channels in the TV set in the nursery. That's what that is. Uh, always something. Amen. But the things that were going on here were good and proper. And, and they were expressing joy and praise. And that what was what was going on in the Father's house. And that's where I, I want us to start today because... Uh, these things here, the joy, the good music, the praising, the wonderful things that were going on, the good food, the, the, uh, the having every need that is met, that's what it was like in the Father's house. Now, we have to question the wisdom of this younger son that he would take everything that he had gotten in the Father's house and go out into the world and waste it and throw it away and lose it and come back a beggar. But, which is more tragic? The younger son 
going out into the world and taking all of the riches and all of the things that the Father had given him and throwing them away, selling them for worthless pleasures that were soon gone. Or the elder son who had stayed in the father's house all those years that the younger son had been gone and never once enjoyed what the father's house was all about. You see, the story says the man had two sons. And as human beings, we like to center on the younger son. Uh, because we like the salacious details. Uh, we like to, to allow our minds to walk back some of those dark alleys that the prodigal son had been back in and, and think to a time when maybe our lives were involved in some of those same uh, uh, horrible, degradating things that the younger son had did. You know, sin always costs more then you have to pay. Because the one thing about sin, my friend, it never, ever satisfies. Have you ever thought about that? You'll never, ever get enough of sin. You'll never have what it promises. Don't mean to beat a dead horse, but the only true thing that Mick Jaggard's ever said is, I can't get no satisfaction. Uh, I mean, and he never has gotten it, and he never will. And uh, if you have any questions about that, just look at the way he's lived his life. Um, I, I'd like to get a copy of this, but I was just listening to part of a talk show this past week while I was doing several other things, so I didn't quite get the whole thing. But one of the uh, the commentators on there was talking about how that, according to this survey... Uh, single people without children are the happiest people in the world. And uh, I, I began to think about that, and the talk show host was commenting. He says, oh, it's got to be that way because, I mean, when the kids are little, they slobber all over. you got to change their diapers. They're just problems from the beginning. And, and as they get bigger, the problems just get bigger. And uh, I started to think about that and said, well, we... We've got diapers and we got bigger in our house. I hope it doesn't get much bigger, amen. But uh, uh, we've 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 got both, and uh, I'm 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 just not seeing what this this poor misguided talk show host is seeing. I mean, yeah, there's problems, sure. Uh, but if you'll stop out, didn't you have problems once? I mean, where would you be today if your parents hadn't put up with you? You ever thought about that? Or somebody. I mean, somebody had to put up with you. Amen. Uh, somebody had to take care of you or you wouldn't be here today. And we, we look here at, at our story. And, and just to finish this thought about this survey and things, I'll tell you why I believe that survey ended up the way it did. I'd like to do a little more research on it, but this is just my opinion and take it for what it's worth. But if you live your life for yourself, you're much happier by yourself than you are if anybody else is around you. But if you redirect your life and live it for others, the only way you find the fulfillment and satisfaction that life really has to offer is having others around you. We live in the most selfish generation in the history of the world, I believe. If you have any questions, uh, just go for a drive down the Grand Central and back. Uh, you know, everybody's got to be first. You ever notice that? <laughs> and, and if they're that way with the traffic light and that way with getting on the highway, I mean, people are that way with everything. It, it's, it's sad commentary. And yet... What is the whole world striving for as they want to be first? I believe what they're striving for is what this story that Jesus used 
they would like to have what's in the Father's house. That makes sense? What was in the Father's house? Contentment? Peace? All the needs were supplied. There was joy. There was happiness. I mean, everything that the world wants was in the Father's house. Can we get an amen about that? Oh, me? I mean, that's, that's basically what it was about. What was in the Father's house is, is really everything that the world is seeking. I mean, this, this poor young man came back and he was the younger son. He had lost everything. But he was accepted in the father's house. He had clothes to wear. He had food to eat. They were making merry. There was joy. And guess what? Somebody else was paying the bill. You know, I think that's about the most wonderful thing I know about living in the father's house. Amen. Is uh, somebody else pays the bill. Uh, the only problem is when I, I, I'm the father of my house and I have to pay all the bills. Uh, but one of these days I'm going to be in heaven and God's going to pay all the bills. Amen. Not going to have to worry about that. I mean, and that's what the father's house in this story is, is a picture of when we get to heaven. It's a picture of God the father and how he accepts and loves us in spite of who we are and what we've done. But I'd like to spend some time this morning Just looking at these two sons and how differently they tried to get the blessings and the peace and satisfaction in this life. And before we start this investigation, what I want to tell you is that neither son found it on their own. Neither one. We love to just get on top of that prodigal son and just look at what all the rotten things, how stupid he was to take everything that he had gotten in the father's house and go out into the world. And, and uh, talked about how that it says that he went into a far country because his dad had such a wonderful reputation that he couldn't stay close to home and do what he wanted to do because everybody would be reminding him that his his father was there and that he couldn't do those things with his father around. So he went way far away where nobody would know who he was, where he come from, what kind of person he was. But it says, he wasted his substance, verse 13, with riotous living. In verse 14, and when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land and he began to be in want. You know, this is a picture of sinful mankind. We've taken the things that we've gotten in the Father's house. We were all born and created in the image of God. Sin has marred that image. Your health that you have today to sit up in this auditorium and to come from wherever you came from to be here is a gift that God gives. Amen. The air that we breathe, the freedom that we have, all of the blessings that, that we enjoy were a gift that God has given us. And just as we have freedom to assemble in Jesus' name, there are places in this city that are dedicated to blaspheming Jesus' name. You know what? A lot of times they have bigger crowds than we do. You ever thought about that? I mean, there's freedom to do both. And guess who gave the freedom? The Father did. Do you think when He gave His possessions to the younger son that he didn't already know in his heart what his younger son was going to do and what he'd planned. I mean, he'd be a pretty pretty poor father that didn't know what his son was already thinking. My son, come, One of my sons comes to me and says, Dad, how do you know what I'm thinking? I said, you're my son. 
It's easy. It's just part of being a father. I can tell you what you think before you think it most of the time. He works very hard at trying to figure out some way to convince me that I didn't know. But that's just part of being a father. And if an earthly father can do that, cannot the heavenly father already know what we're going to do in our hearts with what he's given us? You say, then why did he give it to the younger son? It's pretty simple. Your heart is something that only you possess. And God's not going to step on your heart. If you want to take the life He's given you and the blessings He's given you and all of those things that He has and go out into the world and destroy your life with sin. And by the way, sin will destroy you. Amen? Anybody here? Okay. I mean... The reason God calls sin, sin, is because when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. And I don't care what sin it is, it'll kill you. Whether it's speeding down the highway, taking drugs, immorality, uh, all of these things, they will bring death. And yet, the father let the younger son go. His desire was that the younger son would realize what he had lost and come home. Now, when the younger son came home, what did the father do? The younger son had his speech all practiced. I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of the hired servants. I mean, he had it all planned out. You know, I can't, I can't go back and be a son, but at least I can be a servant in the father's house. Is that what the father was willing to settle for? Absolutely not. The father said, you're not going to be a servant in my house. You're going to be a son. Now, by the way, the father did not give a second inheritance to the younger son. He had lost that, and he would never get it back. But he would be allowed to live in the father's house, not as a servant, but as a son. Now, let's take a few minutes and look at this elder son. This elder son had everything that we would think and want like to have in the if you'll go back in time period in this country to the 20s and the 30s, uh, there was a whole series of children's books written. And every one of those books had good character traits. And it had little boys and little girls that always did what their parents told them to do. And I mean, they were just drummed into them all the stories they read. In, in fact, in later years, when Dr. Seuss began tried to publish his books, no one would even look at him and say, because we're not going to publish children's books that are nonsense. We want to publish children's books that will help children understand what their place and the way to make life count. And they've got to be good. And I'm telling you, this elder son had everything those character books talked about. He was a hard worker. He was not a slacker. He did not miss one day of work as a younger son had taken all and went out into the world and was party time. I mean, that elder son worked hard. Look at verse 29. Lo, these many years do I serve thee. He said, I worked hard. He said, I, was, I did everything you wanted me to do. He said, neither transgressed I thy commandment, and neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. He said, Dad, when you weren't looking, I was still doing right. I was still doing it your way. I had the strictest set of rules any son could ever have. He says, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. Now, did you get that? 
He said, you gave all this stuff to that worthless son of yours that wasted everything in the world. And you never gave me anything. Uh, wait a minute. Let's go back here to um, <clears throat> verse 12. It says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto the younger son his living. Is that what your Bible says? No, your Bible says, And he divided unto them his living. He had already given everything to the elder son. Everything that was at the house belonged to the elder son. And what did the elder son say? Said, you never gave me even a little baby goat that I could have a party with my friends. Well, there's something wrong with that kind of thinking. There's something wrong with that understanding of reality. You see... Jesus was dealing with two groups of people as he was telling this story. And you'll see these two groups reflected throughout the Bible. You'll see the sinners and publicans and the Jews, capital J-E-W-S. Now, when you see that word in the Bible, it's not talking about all Jewish people because the sinner and the publicans were Jews and the Jews were Jews. Everybody was Jews. The capital J-E-W-S was the religious crowd. The scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, uh, the people that went to the temple every day, the, the members of the Sanhedrin, they were the ruling group. They were the people in charge of everything. Whenever you see that capital J-E-W-S in your New Testament, that's what it's referring to. And um, so as Jesus was dealing with the publicans and the sinners and the Jews, the religious leaders on this other side, he gave this story because you had the hyper sinners, if we want to say that, the people who didn't care about anything God said. They were just going to do it their way because that's what they wanted to do. And you had the hyper-religious crowd that had all their little rules and regulations. And what I'm here to tell you today is neither group enjoyed the Father's house. Neither one. It wasn't until the sinner son came crawling back on his knees and begged to be allowed to be a servant in the father's house that his father, that he began to enjoy the pleasures and the blessings of the father's house. And as we end this story... We come out here and we have the father going out to the elder son who will not even come into the house because he doesn't want what's going on in the house. We have one group that says, I don't care about heaven. The other group that's trying to earn it. And both of these are just as wrong are equally against God and His Word. And yet, let me ask you a question. Did either one of these people work um, or exert any lesser level of attempting to get what this world has to offer? Could you have tried any harder than the younger son to seek and enjoy and find satisfaction from the pleasures of this world? I mean, apparently the father was a very rich man. And he, it took him days to gather all. And he gathered all and, and took everything with him and spent everything he had trying to get Something from this world that he did not have. Could you have tried any harder than the younger son to find satisfaction in what this world has to offer? I, I, I'm, I'm trying to tell you, I, I propose to you today that no person 
put forth more effort to find peace and satisfaction and pleasure and, and a good life than that younger son. He took everything he had and spent it. What did he get repaid for all of his giving? He got sent out to feed the hogs. Now, you got to remember this was a Jewish boy. There's nothing more revolting to the Jewish mentality than a pig. I mean, most of us, the only thing that would come close to that, I'm not talking about mice, I'm talking about rats. Every time I say that word, everybody, because we hate rats. We really do. Uh, I hate mice, but I mean, when it comes to rats, I mean, that's just a whole different ballgame. How, how would you like to be sent to feed the rats? That's, that's where this prodigal ended up. That's what it was like. You see, we don't mind slopping the hogs as Gentiles because we enjoy the bacon and the ham and all that good stuff. But the simple truth of the matter is you couldn't get more revolting. And that's where he ended up. He had given every ounce of everything and almost starved to death and couldn't find it. And it says he came to himself and decided he would go back to the father's house. Now when he got there, was it going to be... Uh, as the prodigal said he wanted it to be? No, it was going to be as the father said he wanted it to be. Do you think the prodigal felt funny standing in that room with all that rejoicing, wearing his dad's best robe and a ring on his finger and, and uh, shoes on his feet that he hadn't had on there for who knows how long? And, and I, I just have a feeling, being that they were Jewish people and followed the things of, of the Bible that uh, that young man got a bath before dad put on the best robe. What do you think? Uh, I, I think they washed off the hog pen and cleaned them up a little bit and, and before they put all those wonderful... It just goes with the picture, doesn't it? You didn't sit down to eat with dirty hands or dirty feet. You had to get cleaned up to come to dinner. And there was rejoicing in the Father's house. But on the other hand, could you have worked any harder at trying to find satisfaction and joy and the answers to this life in doing right and in doing good than the elder son had done? Could you have worked any harder than that elder son worked? He said, never at any time. I mean, his conscience was clear. He said, there's never been a time, <coughs> excuse me, when I disobeyed your commandment, when I just willingly did something you didn't want me to do. He said, I've always done everything your way. See, when you're working to try to get something, that somebody wants to give you, it makes it absolutely meaningless. When you're trying to deserve something, a gift, we just got through Christmas time. Now, how many of you really deserved what you got at Christmas time? Huh? How many of you got something and said, man, I'm going to spend the whole year trying to repay you for what you got me? You know, that spoils it, doesn't it? When somebody gives you something, they want you to enjoy it. Amen? Now, what was in the Father's house could only be received as a gift. And the elder son was so busy trying to work for what the Father wanted to give him, that he couldn't find one bit of joy, one bit of peace, and one bit of satisfaction out of everything the Father had already said, I've given you.
Now this reminds me of the religious crowd. You know, there is not a person who ever lived that Jesus hasn't already paid the price for your sins. I had several people over the years and we'd get talking and say, oh, preacher, I could never come to your church. I said, why not? Well, if I did, the building would fall in. And I said, no. Mm -mm. You're not going to get away with that joke around here. I said, I've been into this building. It's not going to fall down just because you walk in. Amen. Uh, God is not interested in what you've done. Bad. The prodigal son. But you know, I've had probably more people over the years come and look around. Especially before we put the cross up out front, there used to be a big star of David up because this building used to be a synagogue. And uh, I'd have people stop why don't you fix that star up there? My answer was always the same. Uh, uh, you give me the money and we'll get it fixed. Uh, we'll get it fixed Monday. Amen. Uh, you know, I'm not just climbing up there to scrape off that thing because you don't like it. Our religion isn't in the symbolism, my friend. Jesus was a Jewish man. I have no problem with the star, David. What's your problem? It's just confusing. Well, uh, get unconfused. Amen? Uh, I'll help you. Show up to church. I can't go into a church like that. Well, what kind of church do you go into? Well, the simple truth is, I got my own religion. Oh, do you really? Doesn't look like it's done you any good. That's what I'd like to say. But... I try not to say that, and I try to be kind. And But truth is still the truth, amen? We look at the heart of this younger son, and he thinks that somehow he deserves God's blessing. That somehow he has earned everything that God has given him. And that somehow, when he stands before God, he's just going to simply say, Look at me, God, what I've done. And God's going to say, Wow, man, you've really done a great job. Come on in. Not going to happen. You don't enjoy what is in the Father's house because you've earned it. You enjoy what's in the Father's house because you're willing to come in and receive it as a gift. That's how you get saved. Amen? It's a whole lot easier for the prodigal who has nothing to receive the gift of the Father's love than it is for the elder son who's done everything right to turn his back on everything that he's done right and humble himself in the presence of the Father and ask to be allowed to enter the blessings of the Father. And we can't see a greater contrast than these two. And again, the reason Jesus told this story, he was dealing with the sinners and publicans and with the religious leaders. Was either one less offensive to God? No. Did either one work any less at being what they were? No. Do you know how hard it is to be a sinner in a righteous society as the Jewish culture was? You had to work at it pretty hard to be classified in that group. You had to put up with a lot of insults and you had to, you had to push your way through and you had to do an awful... You had a lot of barriers to overcome. Do you know how hard you had to work to be a member of the Pharisees? I mean, you had to memorize the first five books of the Bible just to take the entrance test. And I'm not saying Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. No, every word of every book. They had to quote the whole thing. Just so they could take a test to be entered into the society of the Pharisees. Absolute insanity. And yet, neither group had what the Father had to offer. 
Do you remember the story of the publican that Jesus gave? He said there are two men went to pray in the temple. He said the publican and the Pharisee. The Pharisee, it says, stood and prayed thus with himself. I love the way the Bible words things. Because God wasn't listening to a thing the Pharisee had to say. He said, I thank God that I'm a, uh, such a righteous man and that I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all. And I thank God that I'm not like this filthy publican over here. You ever been to a church like that? There are places like that. Bible said he prayed with himself. Well, the poor publican over in the corner there, what did he pray? He prayed, God, be merciful to me, sir. Bible says the publican went home justified. Amen. You remember the story of Zacchaeus? He was <clears throat> vertically challenged, shall we say. He was short. He couldn't see. And he had always wanted to see who Jesus was. And Jesus was coming through Jericho, his town. Now, could you imagine... I think the comptroller of the city of New York is a guy named Thompson right now. Can you imagine having a parade down Fifth Avenue and Comptroller Thompson crawling up in a tree, lining Fifth Avenue so he could see into the parade and find out who it was? Uh, needless to say, he'd be in a little bit of trouble, wouldn't he? Probably lose his office having done that. But that's what this was like. That was Zacchaeus. And he climbs up in the tree because he wants to see Jesus. And Jesus stops under the tree and says, Zacchaeus, you get down out of that tree. I'm going to eat lunch at your house today. Now, what's the first thing that Zacchaeus did when he got down out of that tree? Was he embarrassed that he'd been up in the tree? Absolutely not. He wasn't concerned about anything except one thing, Jesus he said, half my goods I give to the poor, and if I've stolen anything from somebody, I'm going to pay him back four times. You say, why would, did he say that? Well, that's what the law said. The Old Testament law said if you sold some, stole something from someone, you paid them back four times. You know, that solved a lot of problems in New York City, but we don't have time to do that uh, today. I mean, that stopped thievery right now, wouldn't it? If they actually did that. But... Nick, uh, uh, old uh, Zacchaeus, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Zacchaeus was the publican. And Jesus said, salvation has come to this home because he also is a child of Abraham. How did he become that child? By surrendering himself and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's that simple. Remember old Nicodemus, the Pharisee, a member of the Sanhedrin, one of the richest men in Jerusalem in his day, history tells us. Old Nicodemus came to Jesus by night because he was afraid of what his friends would say if they'd seen him with Jesus. And he said, we're willing to accept you as a teacher come from God because nobody can do the miracles you do, Jesus, without being God. So we, without having God's power. So we understand that you're a teacher come from God and and we're willing, if Jesus, if you'll work with me, this is what Nicodemus was saying under the table. He said, if, if you'd you just be willing to uh, be my friend, Jesus, I think I could get you into the club. I could get you recognition by the council of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Don't you see how important this is, Jesus? What was Jesus' answer? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I mean, he just blew old Nicodemus right out of the water, as we would say. I mean, just said, Nicodemus, I'm not interested in anything you have to say, anything you have to offer me. Don't you see how foolish it is for you to try to offer me anything? He said, Nicodemus, without being born again, you're not getting to heaven. Nicodemus is going, well, I'm an old man. How, how am I going to be born again? Do I got to become a baby again? And Jesus' answer was very simple. 
said, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible always explains the Bible. It's not baptism. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You've got to have a physical birth. You've got to have a spiritual birth. Testimony is that Nicodemus got that spiritual birth. Amen. See, there were members of both crowds in the Bible who were willing to come and enjoy what is in the Father's house. But what you have to do is you have to get past yourself and just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in what you've done. Religious person, if you're here today and you've got your religion, you've got to understand something. The world works awful hard at being wicked. Many times they work harder at being sinful than you do at being righteous. And we love to look down our nose at all those wicked people and say, you know, look at all I'm doing that's right. And we don't put half the effort. I mean... These big-time rock and roll guys live these wicked, debauched lives. Most of them hold earned doctorate's degrees in music. You have got to work hard to take something that God made so good and pervert it the way they do. You've got to be trained to do that. You can't do it by accident. It's not some guy banging on his guitar and screaming. They put hundreds and hundreds of hours into making that mess they call music. But no matter how hard you work, you're never going to enjoy the Father's house. It comes when you surrender. And you know, as a Christian, sometimes, even though we've been to the Father's house, we step outside and get to thinking that somehow we've earned that thing. Sometimes people step outside and get to thinking, well, I had it pretty good in the world. And they get looking back to where they came from. Truth of the matter is, the only place there's any joy, the only place there's any real happiness and real contentment and real peace is in the Father's house. My question is one today. Where are you? Are you living in the Father's house? Are you enjoying what the Father has for you? And if you're not, would you come inside? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord... We want you to do your work in hearts and lives today. My first prayer is that if there's one here today that is unsaved, and Lord, we know that in a group this size, there just statistically has to be unsaved people here. Lord, my prayer is that they would turn loose from their good works or from their evil works and come to the Father and enjoy and find the peace that can only be found in the Father's house. Lord, also take a moment and pray for the Christian that they would not allow themselves to be deceived after having come to the Father and enjoy the peace of salvation, that somehow they have to try to earn what's already been given to them. Or that they would grow weary and decide that it's time to head back to the world. Lord, we pray that you would do your work, that you would lift up the hands that are heavy, that you would encourage the weary heart, Lord, that you would convict the unsaved of their need 
give their life to you. We ask that you would be honored and glorified in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together if you would. The song this morning is a very simple one. 558, it just simply says, would you put your hand in the nail-scarred hand? Would you simply surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ? As we sing this song, would you consider where you are and where you've been living? 558. Let's sing out that first verse. Have you failed in your plan of your storm-tossed life? Place your hand in the nail-scarred hand. Are you weary and worn from its toil and strife? Place your hand in the nail-scarred If you've never been saved, would you just come while no one's looking around and we'll have somebody take this book called the Bible and show you how you can know your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. keep our heads bowed while these are praying and while we wait there's time for you God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. And just challenge you today, you don't need to leave here without walking hand in hand with the one who gave his life for you on Calvary's cross. Just want to remind you tonight, six o'clock is our regular prayer meeting and our evening service. Want to invite you to be there. Thursday night will be a special service. Brother Ted Monsor will be preaching Thursday night. And I uh, would just ask for your prayers. There's a, a small group of us, uh, Brother Franz and I and, and Peter, are headed out to Heartland tomorrow morning. And uh, we'll be uh, there for the uh, Home Missions Conference at Heartland Baptist Bible College in Oklahoma City. So pray for us. We'll be getting, should be getting back, Lord willing, Friday night. And, uh, of course, uh, our regular... Uh, Saturday visitation and men's prayer meeting. Uh, look at the upcoming events uh, that are on here. If if you have uh, not yet uh, received your offering envelopes, see Pam. She'll help you get those for this year. And uh, also, uh, we need to have just a, a, a short uh, meeting. Uh, 
I know my wife wants to meet with the teens just after service, if they could meet just right over here. And uh, maybe next Sunday morning, uh, we'll take just a few minutes and plan some of the uh, details for our annual business meeting. We want to do a, the potluck dinner this time. That means everybody brings a pot of something good, and if you're lucky, you get some. Amen? And uh, we'll be setting that up. We'll be having... Uh, dinner after the morning service as a church if you can possibly be here uh, members we we really need everybody here that Sunday it's where we review what the Lord has done in the last year and uh, plan and prepare and and uh, and ask the Lord's blessing for this coming year and uh, I love church dinners at Open Door Bible Baptist Church I, I'll tell you uh, I grew up with church dinners and uh, traveled on the road for several years in church dinners, and, and uh, I've never been anywhere that does a better job than our church right here. And uh, part of it is the quality. I mean, we get the best from all over the world. Amen. And uh, I'll tell you, it is just an enjoyable thing. Uh, when I was in Sioux City, Iowa uh, in September, I was preaching at a meeting there, and um, they had lumpia on the menu, and our Filipinos will know what that is. Uh, that is one of their dishes, and, and I'll honestly tell you that it was good, but it, it's not like you get here. Uh, it just isn't, and uh, it was pretty close, and but it it just wasn't uh, what it is here, and so we praise the Lord for that, and we'll enjoy uh, that time and uh, a fellowship and food. So let's start making our plans uh, now for that. If we could have our ushers come at this time.